Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our Father and our God, we just thank you this morning, Father, for this tremendous opportunity, Father, to reach out in the community. I just want to ask that you give each and every one of us here in this booth the ability to serve you, Father, on a level that is appealing to you. We ask that you give us the desires of our heart. And, Lord, during this time, we ask that you totally bless this community and our surrounding area and give us the strength that we need to get through these perilous times. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I'm super excited today to have an awesome guest on the show, Mr. Greg Broussard. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. And that wonderful man who gave that amazing prayer, as always, is the co-host of the show today, Mr. Calvin James. Amen. All right, Greg. So, uh, Greg is, uh, I know that we know he's a future diaconate candidate, but he's got a lot of things going on. So, Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a cradle Catholic. I uh, was born and raised in Lafayette till about the first grade. Then we moved to Lake Charles, and my parents divorced shortly after Lake Charles, and my mom was diagnosed with uh, terminal brain cancer, given six months to live. And she actually lived until 1978 when she died on December 8th, 1978, Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Well, during that time, my brother and I were riding our bicycles to Our Lady Queen of Heaven where I made my first communion in Lake Charles. And um, it just gave me a sense of peace in, a, in kind of a rough time. And so I always think back to those days um, of the, you know, Our Lady Queen of Heaven in Lake Charles. So after mom died, we finished the school year and then moved back to Lafayette, uh, where my father remarried, um, and then ended up at Acadiana High School. How was, uh, Greg, how was um, your father, um, how, how did he take your mother's death, and, and as far as how was his faith shaken by that? It, it was hard to tell, because it was such a surreal time for us. Um, I remember my mother's funeral. Um, St. Genevieve, um, like it was yesterday, uh, the burial at Calvary Cemetery. I remember everything, but that was that's about it. Uh, yeah. Dad did a good job. Uh, as a single father, really, it's tough. Um, it would be tough. That's so tough. We have some good friends who's lost, who've lost their wife, and I know that's hard. Calvin, jump in, my man. Yeah, I wanted to ask you on that same subject. Uh, your dad never remarried? He did remarry. Um, probably about two years after Mom passed away. Uh, he remarried a lady from Lafayette. And I'm uh, still very close with her today. Uh, we didn't have the best relationship in high school, yeah. um, but uh, grown very close with her today. She's a good Catholic woman. Um, yeah, did you, how, what kind of impact have your dad had on your pursuit of your relationship with Christ? I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if it had any... I'll just go ahead and put him on the spot, Calvin. It's put, too late. Put, put a connection. Can you connect that in any kind of way? Well... Dad and I had a very good relationship. We were very close, like friends. He was tough. Um, he was pretty stern on us, but we were very close. And, and so finding my relationship with God later in life, it, it often takes on, for me, it took on the role of my father in my life. So I was trying to model it after that. And um, I have a very active mind, very ADHD. So it's very hard to focus in prayer and uh, keep, you know, to keep my focus but my relationship with my father shaped my relationship with God, without a doubt. 
Okay. So, Greg, we talked about, um, and I, I didn't get to share with you, but over on the way here to the studio, we were talking about alcoholism and mm, big time in my family. You know, my father had a, a, a serious alcoholic problem, and and it's 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 uh, our family got all of them gambling, alcoholism, you know, all that good stuff, and. Uh, <laughs> It's tough. It is tough, and, and um, it is an addiction, and I know that's a big part of your story. Why don't you tell a little bit of that? Sure. And fortunately, gambling is not in my <laughs> We can show you. <laughs> no. Yeah, I've, I've always been terrible at it, so that's I guess that's a virtue. Yeah. So I never really knew I was an alcoholic because I would typically stop drinking for periods of time just to get back, you know, lose some weight, get in shape. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if I can put it down, I'm not an alcoholic. Well, it, it affected family life i was married for 21 years um, and it affected the family life to a point where um the the marriage crumbled and after sobering up after separation you know your perspective changes as you get farther away from the situation you start to see things that you couldn't see before and i quit drinking on the spot uh october 11th 2011 wow and um the further away i got from that the more my life started to settle down. My clarity and thought came back, and the happiness and the joy came back. Um, it's, it has deepened my spirituality in, in Catholicism, uh, without a doubt. But I, I realized that drinking was just a symptom. Mental illness and the way you treat others has a lot to do with it. So that's a big part of my recovery story right there. You know, I always like to say a lot of stuff. Like, they found Moses in the desert. Paul was in prison. There's a lot of people that have went through adversity that God used. I believe that may have been the defining moment in your life. That might have been the defining moment in your life. And that's how God got your attention. Pain, uh, pain was God's megaphone uh, for me. Trust me. Without a doubt. I know, I know a little yes. bit about pain. <laughs> so, uh, Greg, I want to just change the subject a little bit, unless you have some more to say about that. Well, I, I would like to say that, you know, I was married to a good woman, and she's still a good woman. She's a good friend of mine now. She was a good mom, a good wife, and a good provider for the household. And I, I see that now. So I, I, I just wanted to make that clear that, you know, she gave me every chance. And so part of my recovery is sobriety and suffering for a year or two after the separation and divorce, the crumble of the family, and the pain that um, brought me back to God through the sacraments of the Catholic Church. Amen. So, praise God. The Word says that the enemy comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is your finances, your family life, family relationships, any kind of friendship relationship, and that's his, uh, that's his, his motive. But the second half of that scripture is that Jesus said, I've come to give him life and give it more abundantly. Now, you know, that's a strong statement, and it's wide. Do you believe that... Uh, Christ was at the center or is at the center of everything that you're doing to stay focused today, like how you carry on yourself, carry on your, your, your sobriety, and you, you know, uh, continue to build relationships. He has to be. Um, if, if not, if I try to do it myself, you know, I, you know that story. My good friend Stephen Kramer, who uh, y'all may know, he absolutely yeah. good dude. We do. From Shout the out. From the very beginning, he told me, just stay out of the way. Stay out of the way, Greg. And didn't know what it meant at first, but I, I get it now. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have to give it to him. And I've learned to have faith, and I've seen things unfold when I have faith. So those experiences 
bring me back to that trust. Yeah. You know. So Greg and I, we don't. We're not super close. We run across each other in a few different places at Red, certainly, and in uh, in and, and, and some church things and whatnot. But I can tell you, from my perspective, and and uh, very. Uh, clearly to me that Christ is definitely in the center of Greg's life. In fact, of all the people I know, um, he's got it going on. I mean, Greg's into a lot of things right now in the church. In fact, so much so that he made the big leap to, to become a deacon in the church. And I, I'll share with you, I think we, I know that I've had, I've had those thoughts. And one of the things that, that, um, that, that's, that many people may not know is that when you become a deacon, right, if you're married and your wife passes, you, you, you can't remarry. Correct. And that was something that I didn't know about the church that um, that was kind of like, that was like a big commitment right there. But um, what what in your life, I mean, that's a big step. What, what, what pushed you to that level to, to be a deacon? Well, I can tell you that God has been calling me to the diaconate for probably five years, five or six years. I, I don't really remember when it started, but I just remember the pull. And I kept putting it aside, kept putting it aside, I guess just out of fear. And um, I was in mass at Cathedral two years ago, right after Christmas, before Epiphany, when the Christmas lights were still up on the trees. It was beautiful. And Deacon George Jordan was reading the gospel. And I looked and I... I just gave in and said, okay, Lord. And a, a huge sense of peace came over. Wow. And um, that right there, you know, gave me a good feeling about it. So that is what I registered at that point. Got in touch with Deacon Jim Kensel, registered. And from what I understood, they can't, they wouldn't stack three classes of diaconate candidates at one time. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, there were two, and there was just an ordination last month in May where my friend Kyle Palazzola and Ricky Castaneda were both ordained. So now they'll entertain a new class coming up in January from what I'm told. So, Okay, this is going to be a far-out question, but it's something that I think about is like, um, why not the priesthood? You know, have, did you have that thought? I'm just curious because I guess you, you know, people don't think that a person could be married and, and then move on and become a priest, but there are many that, that do that. Is that something that ever entered your mind? Well, <laughs> another friend of mine, Deacon Chris Dumet uh, from Lauraville, St. Joseph's in Lauraville, he and I go back to 89. We first worked together. Um, he was discerning his vocation at the time, which I wasn't aware of. I was still uh, kind of a knucklehead at the time. And um, I'm still a knucklehead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just a little more holy knucklehead. <laughs> Well, so Chris and I go to lunch the other day, and he sees the change in me since, you know, back in 89. And he told me, he says, if I were you, after lunch, he said, you know, set the bar high. He said, don't, you know, if God's calling you further than the diaconate, uh, be open to that. And uh, Which I certainly am. I just, in my finite mind, I cannot picture it happening. But as long as I stay out of God's way, uh, I think anything can happen. Mm, So if he wants it to happen, he will. Calvin, I want to ask one more question because my father-in-law and I got into this this weekend. Uh, we're talking a lot about what we're talking about right now. And uh, I will ask you the question, what, do you feel like priests should be, that they should allow them to be married? How do you feel about that? Have you thought about that? Great. Um, I do not. I agree. There are some married priests. And, um, like, but it's easy for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I've become close to Father Nathan Como at Fatima and Father Russo, those guys are 
incredibly busy. Yeah. Nonstop. And um, to have a, a family would take away from a lot of the ministry. Yeah. The, um, you know, the last rites, um, going to the hospital early in the morning, um, things of this nature. Yeah. I, my, that's what I was telling my father-in-law. That's why they have deacons, you know, I think. Anyway. Yes. Calvin, you're up. Yes. I wanted to We talking about how you're so busy. And I know a few things that you do. In fact, we worked at BAWL, Be a Warrior Leader, together. And you also uh, are involved with some other things that were at school. Why don't you share with the audience some of the other things you do, especially those that, you know, you and I facilitated? Sure. Um, I guess my start in the ministry came when my former wife was— Volunteer of the Year at Our Lady of Fatima. This is right when Father Russo started at, at Fatima. We all went to dinner with the um, administration from school and Father Russo. And uh, I didn't know Father Russo at the time. And I'm sitting right next to him at dinner. And he looks over and tells me congratulations. And I asked him why. He says, you're now a lector. And uh, <laughs> so that started, you know, get stepping out of uh, my comfort zone. Then Becky Kramer, another dear friend at Fatima, who trained me in the Be A Warrior Leader program, which was initially Project Charlie. Charlie's uh, acronym for Chemical Abuse Resolution Lies in Education. And that's what we were trying to teach the kids before getting out of eighth grade and moving on to, to high school. So my first lesson with that was Becky had me talking about bullying to a bunch of um, elementary age girls mothers in night hall conference room so i walk in and all these moms are crying because their daughters have been bullied and um, i looked at becky and i'm like this is not what i signed up for (laughs) (laughs) but it went very well god moved through us that day and then we started going to the classroom calvin you have come in the classroom with us where we teach the seven habits of highly effective children uh, through louise lavisa at our lady fatima john reed has been in there with us helping us and it's, it's really been instrumental in my life because I've met these children as they're coming through. I've worked with first grade through eighth grade. And I see some of these kids at Reds now who are playing football for UL mm-hmm. and older, and we still have this close relationship. And it's very important to me. And it seems to be important to them too. Um, so from there, I um, started doing lecturing at Fatima. Um, then... After the divorce, I also got involved with Catholic Divorce Recovery at Our Lady of Fatima. We have a very successful program where we, about three times a year, for 10 weeks in a row, we have a classes once a week, and they have from about 8 to 10 people in them. It's a video-driven class, and the videos go in order of shock, denial, grief, anger, typically the stages you would go through after divorce, whether the divorce was forced on you or you wanted it. Um, it's not easy. So we've had a lot of luck with this program, and that has also been very close to my heart because people are in a lot of pain post-divorce, um, even separation. And um, the dynamic, a dynamic develops in this group. The people get close, and they start spending a lot of time together after the classes and move on. And I stay in touch with them, and we do things a lot. And we do this through Father Jude Halfin's Office of Marriage and Family Life with the diocese. Uh, Kelly Chapman is my go-to at the diocese, and she is very efficient at getting us everything we need. And Fatima's gracious enough to let us use their facility for it. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. 
You're listening to Cajun Catholics. Uh, our guest today is Mr. Greg Broussard. He is a soldier for Christ, and uh, he's also recently or just getting into the diaconate program. He's a lifelong Lafayette resident, except for a stint in Lake Charles, I believe he said. And uh, he's really an awesome, awesome guy. We're happy to have him on the show today. We feature outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana, and uh, again, uh, Greg's just just right in there. I want to hear a little more about. I know that a lot of our listeners are have gone through divorce or or really maybe have had a bad experience through um, the annulment process. But walk me through that. Was it your idea, your wife's, and and how how was that? And how what, what is your advice to to those people? Yeah. Uh, to seek an annulment, it was my idea. Um, she wasn't sure what it involved, so uh, you know, I told her, and then she was fine with it. So the marriage is considered valid until it's looked at by the Catholic Church, and um, so when I took our marriage to the tribunal through Deacon Tim Maragosa Fatima. It was reviewed by the Catholic Church, and they were they looked at it and said, "Well, the sacrament did not take place. It doesn't mean your children are illegitimate, um, anything like that." But it so we were awarded an annulment. Um, it took eighteen months from start to finish, but um, it's not bad. It's it's even quicker now. But yeah. Deacon Tim made it very clear. He said, "Look, if your paperwork is in order, if your witnesses answer their questionnaires properly and get it back, it goes very smoothly." And mine went very smoothly I highly that's recommend nice. Deacon Tim as an advocate that's uh, nice I was a witness for my brother through his annulment and um, it was Monsignor Douglas Corville uh, at the time and, uh, and um, so I'm a little familiar with that process but it's very intimidating to uh, to a lot of people I believe and and we, we didn't really scratch the surface about Garcia Garcia seems to come up a lot in our in our uh, radio show yeah because a lot of the people that have been so deeply touched by God have, have come through Garcia, like yourself. And uh, when did you make Garcia? I made Garcia January 2012, 4:30, uh, and I was at St. Peter's table. And nice. uh, I can tell you that when I got home Sunday night, I couldn't sleep, so I got in my car and drove to John Paul the Great Adoration Chapel and just sat there for about two hours with a big smile on my face, crying. Wow. That was beautiful. Yeah, unbelievable. Changed my life. But what about your acts? You made acts? I did not make acts yet, Calvin. I I was on the list when it was on the lottery system yeah. uh, through Alexandria quite a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so I never did make it. Fatima has a ministry called CAST, and CAST stands for Catholic Apostolic Sacramental Theology. And Hart Littell is our retreat director, and Deacon Ed, those two work together very closely. Um, Hart told me the other day that Cast originated in 2016 from a retreat in Grand Isle called Skin in the Game, where they had asked Deacon Ed Bustani to come speak over there. So after Deacon spoke, he and Hart got together and they wanted to put together a retreat for men to go to Grand Isle in nature, fish, have masses, just quiet time. And um, we have seen so many fruits from this uh, retreat. I was, mm-hmm. I was invited to the first one. And I couldn't get there. And then I finally made the fifth one. You know, I was thinking that probably didn't need it because I do so much already. But like Garcia, it rocked me and changed my life. And um, nice. so now I'm serving on the cast team. We go to Grand Isle. We service these men, take care of these men for three days, put them on fishing, on guided fishing tours, and have so much fun. 
Gerald Gosson does all the cooking. Craig Henry will come out sometimes and cook, but uh, Gerald, Charlie Malasaw. The food is fantastic. You're in Grand Isle. That's fishing. some Cajun Catholics right there, that's right? It. That's yeah. what I'm Can't talking get better about. Than that. Yes. I mean, that's like the epitome of Cajun Catholics <laughs> right there. Because I like to catch fish, and Calvin likes to eat fish. <laughs> and that's why we're a good partnership. Definitely. The only problem is when you work in the retreat, you don't get to fish. <laughs> oh, that stinks. Well, we've, I don't want to work it. We've had Father Father Russo's there every time. Uh, Monsignor DeBlanc, Father Nathan Como, who's you know he and Father Russo, are good fishermen. Father Patrick Broussard has been there with us when Father Nathan was out of town. Um, it's a fantastic retreat. Yeah. John Listy, is he involved in that one? Or Struther? I haven't seen either one of them no. there, but Philip Brubacher has come oh, yeah. with Hart. I know Brian St. Cyr. I know that's his thing. Saint, yeah. yeah. I know Philip. Yeah, yeah Philip. And then Brian actually will um, – uh, we couldn't get some boats a couple times because the Saints had a, a fishing tournament. So Brian – and his father each brought their boats out and took men out, and they oh, caught yeah. too. They, That's I mean, the Duke, man. Duke yeah. knows where to fish. Duke, Duke is, <laughs> is the uh, his his boat is called Mister Official, <laughs> but uh, he is officially the the kingpin oh, of trout yeah. fishing. And believe it or not, I, uh, Duke made Garcia uh, after Brian. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, he had a very strong, powerful experience. Go ahead, Calvin. Greg, how are you making it through the pandemic, brother? Um. The only thing that disappointed me was that there was no mass, uh, no Eucharist. Um, yeah. I, you know, I worked for some great men for a good company, so we were sent home for two months. Uh, still, still employed. There just wasn't much work. I worked for a consulting engineering firm. We support the all field, so there wasn't much work. So I was getting a lot of quiet time, a lot of running, uh, a lot of exercise, a lot of rosaries, uh, and just my son caught the flu during that time he's 19 so he and i got to spend a week together at home which is unheard of because he and i are both on the go so much so that was it was nice calvin um but it's time to get the economy back open again time yeah. to get back to work and uh, i'm sure todd will agree with me and you about the church situation i received communion for the first time yesterday in uh quite a long time Yes. And what it did is, uh, believe it or not, when I ate that bread and I did my meditation, God immediately just spoke to me in a quiet voice and said, I need to get back in church. Yeah. Never said nothing about the virus. So, uh, yeah. That's my focus this week. So, so there's not really a dispensation, is what you're saying? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's. The numbers are down in church. It's time to lift the dispensation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was in Mass at UL. I shared this maybe a few weeks ago, but um, Sibley was really, Father Sibley was really upset and disappointed at how few people had come to church. And, you know, I'm going to just throw it out there. I'm probably, I'm going to hell for this one, but um, I I do have a strong opinion that, you know, that if the church tells everybody don't come and they tell you not only that, but if you come, you might be turned away. You know, a lot of Catholics have a problem with that. It's hard, and um, you can't just shut off that water, fo- you know, that water fountain, and, yeah. and, and turn it back on. And so, I am concerned. I'm disappointed. And for myself, you know, they shut the Adoration Chapel down. That'd like to kill me. Uh, Greg didn't mention Reds. I know he goes to Reds. That being shut down was like a spiritual thing for me. Me too. You know, that hurt bad. You know, I mean, and um, and just being away from Christ and. I'm a strong believer. Like after Microsia, the adoration was an, a weekly for me that was a must. And, and oh, I missed it. It was My life was turned upside down a little bit without it, and, and I long for that big time. Still haven't really replaced that one. You, you bring up adoration. Um, when I did my step four, 
from the 12 steps. My first step four, I was sat in adoration of John Paul the Great, and um, I couldn't think of anything to write. It, step four is you do a fearless moral inventory of uh, fears, harms, and resentments. Like most alcoholics, I couldn't think of anything I'd ever done wrong. Sat in front of the adoration, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and asked God to open my heart. And for the next hour and a half, I wrote and filled up four pages. Oh. Uh, he through me, and I was exhausted when I finished writing those four pages. And that showed me just how important um, sitting in front of the Blessed yeah. Sacrament. Adoration, man. Tell us a little bit about what you wrote, if you could share. Um, well, the resentments. Um, a lot of the stuff is pretty private. Just some things yeah. you've done. Uh, the resentments. The number one. Uh, probably roadblock to relapse and it is a resentment if you hold a resentment. So now you write through these resentments, things you've done to people, harms. Um, step five is when you tell these to your sponsor, it's kind of like a confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and Father Dowling heard uh, Bill Wilson's first step five. Uh, so it was, he was a Jesuit priest who was instrumental in the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I told my sponsor everything I'd done. And then step nine is when you start making amends to these people. And you ask God to put these people in front of you because some of them don't want to hear it. They've heard I'm sorry so many times, so you kind of shift to, well, I was wrong. Um, so sure enough, people who you never expect to see again start coming back into your life. So you can make those amends, and uh, most of them are very, very receptive to it. And it, it just it takes a load off. It takes so much off your shoulders. Yeah, God, we were having that discussion. The Holy Spirit puts those supernat- makes those supernatural things happen. You're like, okay, I'm never going to see that person, and there they are, you know, like 10 Boom. minutes later, like, how did this happen? Yes. I know. Good Lord. It's the only way God operates. Yeah. A couple of minutes left on the show, uh, Calvin. Well, I was, he, he was talking about uh, his... Uh, you know his his sobriety. I was going to ask him if he knew Eric Greenwood. I do. Yes, I do know Eric. Eric is big in that. Eric has these sober houses that he builds around town, and he gets the people that goes through the program a place to live and to restart their lives. And um, the reason I mention that is because I know that you're big on that. And uh, if there's any people that you know that may be struggling in that area, Eric is the guy. You know, I didn't know Eric's involvement. Yeah. In the program, I knew he was involved. Um, I know Lisa. I see Lisa at Reds from time to time. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 no, I did not know he was building sober houses. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, and because those guys need a, um, they need a transition spot. Um, yeah, he's got several that's up and running right now. Little yeah. secret out the bag: Calvin and I are sponsoring Eric through Garcia in about a week. Yes, oh, and, uh, definitely. And uh, he be will be—he doesn't know it yet, Eric. But you'll be a guest on the show soon after that. <laughs> um, I'm excited to have you on. So yeah, he'll be so, on fire. Shortly. Absolutely. <laughs> so just a little bit left in the show, Greg. What do you? What's in, what's in, what's on your future? What's what lies ahead for you? What's God calling you to do? Well, you know, I've, my daughter is uh, I have a son who's 19 um, who plays lacrosse for UL. Um, and I have a daughter who's 16, plays volleyball for Life at High. Both went through Fatima and then went to Life at High for high school. So their fall and, and spring are very busy with sports, with travel sports, lacrosse and volleyball. That said, the diaconate is probably going to start in January. And what Kyle Palazzola was telling me is there's an interview process that you go through to make sure that you're right for the program. So a lot of these things will be hashed out um, in there. And until that time, you know, I'm 
you know, going to do the dance, being a father and a, de- a deacon and candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, working out, Thank praying, Jesus. working. I will see you at Reds. Yes. It's been just a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, again, if you miss any of these episodes, you can hear them on SoundCloud.com. If you search Cajun Catholic, Calvin, thank you for co-hosting today. Greg, yes. it's been a blessing it's great to be life. here. It's great to see you, Greg. Thank you, fellas. God bless you. Until then, uh, we'll see you next time on Cajun Catholics. Engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Amen. God bless. Amen.